I don't know that I'm in a position to, to critique anything, but if I were to offer feedback to, to, this, to this work that I love in this industry that I'm proud to be a part of with principles that, that I'm inspired by, um, I thought it was just, um, let's say at the very least odd that not a single person reached out to talk to me directly. love dogs. But man, is it hard work sorting through all the misconceptions and misunderstandings that we have about them. It is difficult to know where to turn to for good advice. Hi, I'm Renee Rhodes, the virtual dog training and behavior specialist behind rplusdogs.com. On this show, I talk to other dog professionals and guardians to help you understand your dog better, to do better for them couples counseling for one. If you are looking to learn more about how to advocate, empower, and help your dog live the best life possible, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Dog Logical. Hi, everyone. Today on the show, we have Matt Weisner. Hi, Matt. Did you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? No. <laughs> and that's our podcast concluded. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Bye. <laughs> Listen, you could do. Pod- I think of how many podcasts you could do. You could actually have a podcast <laughs> called "Intros to Dog Training," and that's it. You just I'd love to do. You know what? I'd love to do a blooper one. I think that would be. Yes amazing or we could have the un i don't know if you know beth and i did like a five-hour stint before we recorded our podcast and i could totally release that in like little segments oh my gosh (laughs) yeah she's a hoot beth brokobian for anybody who's listening beth brokobian she has rehab your rescue based in dallas and and uh she's become a, a quick friend and just a wonderful colleague of mine that's since beth's name came up and Beth came over to my house with her husband, Richard, who does dog dad of rehab your rescue with his daily jokes. And I tried to have a joke battle with him, but I got, I just got smashed. The voters smashed me. So, so I got a bunch of negative reinforcement around that. And I have retreated <laughs> to my kennel, by the way, my name is Matt Beisner and I, I am, uh, I am a certified professional dog trainer and knowledge assessed. And I am a husband and father of two and my wife, Brooklyn, and I have five rescues, all of them seniors, uh, all five of them with varying histories of aggressive behavior. And we started out in Los Angeles, working out of our backyard. Uh, I'm waiting at some point for the city of LA to come back and, and ask for taxes or fees or something like that. So you probably shouldn't so, tell where you are then. <laughs> I, won't, I won't. So right now I'm in the UK in Renee's <laughs> kitchen. Um, and so I got a chance uh, in the process of running, building this company with my wife in Los Angeles, we got a chance to open a facility. And then in, in doing the work we were doing at the facility, um, LA being LA and particularly with this, this vastly underserved niche of, of dogs that, and that have aggression behavior, aggressive behaviors and aggression issues, and which are really predominantly fear issues in a lot of cases. 
and the humans that didn't have support, we got very big, very quickly. And uh, we had a client that went public. She's a very, well, it's not a surprise, Lena Dunham, she was quite public about it. Um, but, you know, we had a handful of people that we would work with that are, that are known. And we had been helping Lena with her dog, Lammy, who I think still has more Instagram followers than I do, as, as Lammy should. And Lammy needed a lot of help. And Lena had a lifestyle that was just really difficult when we were looking at, you know, what was safe and manageable and opportunities for growth. She went public about us helping her. I mean, like real public, like Jimmy Kimmel or one one of those shows. And uh, I got an email from her and she said, I think you might get some, you might get some people reaching out to you. And within two hours, we were having our first conversation about a show. So that show eventually led to Dog Impossible season one, which was produced by Heinen Entertainment out of Colorado, just a dynamite team. And uh, and then Nat Geo Wild ended up being bought by Disney. And so we found ourselves on Disney Plus. And so, you, you know, much to my surprise, we ended up in 20 something countries around the world. And, and in the process of that kind of visibility, um, I, well, there's no plan, there's no preparing for any of that. Um, but one of the things that became available to me was the opportunity to connect with people in a way that I hadn't before. And a lot of people may not know what the, what the process is like in putting a show together. Um, so a fun fact, for example, is that it takes 80 hours of footage to film one episode. Wow, that's right? a lot. It's a lot. So if you're watching, you know, if you add commercials in, you're typically looking at an episode that has 44 minutes of content and an episode will have, in our case, two A stories, the two lead stories. And then like what we would, and those would be like 17 to 20 minutes each. And then what we would call a B or a C story, which is just kind of a one-off. We're going to focus on this or a feel good moment or something like that. Or, Hey, Matt really loves cats. Doesn't like dogs. Like something fun like that. <laughs> and not true, by the way. I mean, I do love cats, but I have no business trying to help a cat. So, um, so in the process of, of that and putting the footage together and um, getting the opportunity in my agreement with the, the network to be able to look at the footage, I get, I get one look at uh, a draft of it and then I get to put notes in and you know, and then the rest of it's just out of my hands. It's, it's uh, above my pay grade. So they're, they're going to put it together. And then I see it with everybody else for the first time. And it was, it was quite an experience. Um, I should preface this in part by saying, and this is a long introduction of, if the listeners are wondering when the introduction <laughs> ends, <laughs> when my cup of tea runs out and Renee has to get up from the kitchen stool to get some more. <laughs> So the the um, so I, I'm I'm watching the footage, and at that point we're probably several months out, and I'm watching it, and I'm thinking I don't I don't really like how I did that. I wish I'd have done that better. Oh, okay, so I, I see that. And it was it was I was learning a lot of this stuff on the fly and filming a show while we were running a facility. It was, it was really quite an experience, and um, and I ended up sometime after that season came out and you know there was a lot of understandable consternation I, I, and i don't mean to be dismissive of people's experience when i use that word i just don't want to 
I don't want to um, inflate something that may or may not have been somebody's experience. But I needed help with a particular dog and I had reached out to a, a somebody who had been a client of mine, Danny Willingham, who ended up opening up a company at, in the Pacific Northwest Conscious Canines and they've since had to close. But I said, I asked her for help and she had sent me a list of some people to reach out to. And Mike Shikasha's name was there. And I didn't know. It was so much that I didn't know. And one of the things, um, and I'm curious if this is your experience, Renee, one of the things about, you know, whether it's opening a business or running a business or having a staff or, and or having a facility, it can often be so consuming, particularly with with what I now recognize as my penchant for workaholism and paying no attention to compassion fatigue, I was really in a bubble in a lot of ways. Um, not that I was not inspired by what was happening around me, but I just, you know, was trying to have my head down and keep it going and all of that. So when I connected with Mike, not knowing who he was, um, and asked him for help with a dog. I thought, oh, I got a great idea. Let me ask Mike if he'll come out and do a training with my staff. So we had started to build just a, you know, a conversation. I wouldn't even say a rapport yet. And he came out and he's just such a, a dynamite human being. You know, I, I, he seems to be preternaturally graceful. And I, I, don't, I don't see myself that way. Like I've had to do a lot of personal work to, <laughs> to, to be allowed back into society, you know, and going all the way back to my, my early days of addiction, which I've been open about. So Mike started helping me with this dog. Mike came out to visit, and this was February of last year. And don't you know, like four weeks after he leaves, quarantine hits. So, so the timing of all of this that I connected with Mike my staff, you know, our facility shuts down and, and now, um, and here I, I have a rapacious um, desire to learn. Um, and, and I'm in a place now by way of meeting Mike and the people that he would introduce me to. So many people have just been so, so generous with their expertise um, and their humor and their perspective and I just am incredibly fortunate to have arrived where I'm at now. And, uh, you know, even to be sitting here with you, Renee, and to be having a conversation with, with people whose work I respect and whose, whose approach and philosophy I respect. And well, as you. I <laughs> mentioned before, I, you know, I'm somebody, as a friend said to me, I'm somebody who grows in public. And there's a lot about that that is challenging. Um, but I, but that is a, you know, I, I have a privileged platform. And so I, I accept responsibility for that. And, and I'm really grateful to, I'm just really grateful to be growing, first of all. Yeah. Um, you know, getting my, while we were filming season two, which is due out in July of this year. And uh, filming season two, I was studying for my CPDT. And every night after it would be filming 14 hours and I'd go home and study for 30 minutes. And I figured if I pass, you know, wonderful. If I don't pass, I'm going to study and take it again. I just, things just became important to me in different ways that were about my personal growth and a lot less about what anybody thought about me. And so I've arrived here and, um, and I, you know, as I, 
as I fortify my work in the Lima principles and in, and in this growing community, I become increasingly grateful for the support that I've been given um, to, to be allowed to grow in public because um, I hopefully can help other people along the way by way of the same kind of support that I was given. And that is the end of my introduction. <laughs> I feel like I should applaud or like, <laughs> but I think, you know, as you were talking about it, I think what has happened to you, it, it happens to all dog, well, you know, most dog professionals, like when I, I record a lot of stuff and there's stuff that I see and I go, oh, I missed that yeah. or, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But it's just been on a larger scale for you. Yeah, 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 a little bit. Yeah, and then edited and blasted and those yeah, kinds of things. Exactly. You know, you know one, one thing I, I do want to say, it's um, that I, I'm not hard to find. So um, I've been readily available. And with the, with the, um, how, how, you know, a number of people chose to express themselves, uh, not a single person ever reached out to me directly. And I, I find that I don't know that I'm in a position to, to critique anything, but if I were to offer feedback to, to, this, to this work that I love in this industry that I'm proud to be a part of with principles that, that I'm inspired by, um, I thought it was just, um, let's say at the very least odd that not a single person reached out to talk to me directly. Yeah, I found that with the latest situation that has happened with TV and dog training, it's like everyone talks around the person. Nobody mm. really reaches out or says, I have tried, you know, to get in, in contact with this person. It's kind of like people are writing things about them. You know, mm. they're contacting organizations to write letters for the public, but nobody's actually going directly to the source. Mm -hmm. And it's such a strange way, because if you, you know, if you have an issue with someone in your, well, I suppose if you have an issue with someone in your day-to-day -day life, I'm more likely to reach out to the person and say, you know, Hey, such and such has happened. Like, you know, this is how it kind of made me feel, you know, could we, could we kind of talk about it or could we do something about it? Whereas this is like more of the backwards approach of like, everyone's dancing around it, talking around it. And nobody's really reaching out directly. So it's interesting that you're you're kind of confirming that because it seems like a weird way to address things. Yeah, and and I it, it certainly did to me, and um, and does to me. Um, and I and I am I, and I in no way intend to be dismissive or insensitive to people's experiences. I mean, I know, as I said. I wish I hadn't done that. So certainly if that's my experience and God knows the dog's experience, then, then that could be anybody's experience. And people have a, people have a right to be cautious about, you know, what comes out and has a lot of followers. I mean, you can see it now, you know, there's ding dongs on TikTok with a million followers and just, <laughs> I like they, that they, technical term. Ding dongs on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. That that's that a bit that'll be my memoir. <laughs> so so like it, it's a lot of practice. You know, I wanna I wanna put a big shout out for Lima Beans and which I affectionately call the Lima Beans. And it's a it's the 
the group that I was invited to, I think kind of it when, when it was in beta testing by Dr. Chris Pockle, who's somebody I met through with Mike Shikasho. And uh, Chris is just, he's an amazing human being and he has introduced me to many more amazing human beings. So I got invited to be a part of this and, and Lima beings recently went public. So anybody can register and we meet once a month. And, and the, the, the question as I understand it is how do we apply the Lima principles to ourselves and each other? You know, these are people that are, that are just profoundly expert in their practice of applying this to the animals that they work with. And so for me, you know, still feeling new in a lot of arenas. And of course, you know, in, in the arc of my growth, it's really something to sit in a room with somebody who I consider a giant in the industry. And, and, I, and I had to reframe it because I wasn't, I wasn't making space for that person to grow. So I had to reframe it and say, your contribution is gigantic. You're a human being who's having this experience. Uh, but to sit in the room, in the virtual room with these people monthly and to hear them say, I, I don't know if maybe I'm actually making things harder for people or making things worse for people. And that kind of vulnerability and exploration, it's, it's just um, a profound example of modeling. So to bring it all back, you know, this is not an easy thing. I mean, accurate self-appraisal without shame, without negative reinforcement, uh, you know, without the things that we bring to our relationship with ourselves that we often reinforce by way of the relationships that we get into. That's not an easy thing, I think, for a lot of people. And, um, but in the practice of accurate self-appraisal, I have, I have developed what I call the art of consideration. So in any given situation, there's something that I don't know, the knowing of which would change how I think or what I feel. And that takes work and it is not, not messy, you know? Mm. And it certainly seems, particularly when we add the impact of COVID where, where we've just lost a lot of our ways to connect with each other sensorially, you know? Um, we don't have a lot of opportunity to, to practice in good faith, to practice what's going to be messy. Yeah. It's just, it's put a huge strain, I think, on, on everyone. And also the ways that we connect with, with dog guardians. And I think as, as an industry, it's helped us to reach more people, but it's also been something that we've had to really just adjust to overnight. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And on the fly. And, um, you know, and some of my colleagues, like Beth has said, you know, she's working six days a week. She's booked six weeks out. Um, I still am fortunate, uh, yeah, currently my family and I are living in Austin. We've got a lot of family in, in Texas and wanted to make a quality of life move. And one of the things about the dislodge of COVID is that it made things possible that I, yeah. you know, I wouldn't have just walked away from my running facility before. So, so I go back and forth between here and LA, but, um, but I find myself in Austin, nobody really knows who I am, which is, is fine. But from a business standpoint, uh, my colleague Beth is booked six weeks out and I could do that in LA, but I'm, I'm again, learning how to build something here post COVID in Austin, thankfully with better practices and principles and contacts and that kind of stuff. But, you know, some people are flush and some people, they may not make it or they've, or they're already, they're already gone, you know, yeah. we're not going to see the impact of that for a long time. I fear. I think that also equates into 
reaching out and, and helping to support each other. Like people contact me quite often, you know, and I think sometimes think, you know, I don't, I don't want to give away the secret sauce or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, here, here's a book to read, or, you know, this yeah. is what I'm doing. I had a colleague contact me the other day who saw that I run online group courses and was like, mm. you know, how do you construct these? And I just told her, this is how I do it. You know, mm-hmm. there are enough dogs in the world <laughs> that, you know, we, there's, there's a dog for, for all of us. Like we don't have to worry about, you know, kind of not, not making it, but there's no reason why we can't share this information. So it was interesting to me because when I started clubhouse and, you know, I was doing rooms with other people and, you know, you do your little intros or whatever. And people were like, hi, I'm so-and-so. And my specialty is puppies and aggressive or reactive dogs. And then it was like, hi, I'm so-and-so. And my specialty is puppy and a reactive or aggressive dogs. And then it came yeah. to me, the fourth person. And I'm like, hi, I'm Renee. And I uh, specialize in puppies and aggressive and reactive dogs. I'm like, how do you, you know, it's just like, wow. I feel like a drop in the ocean and, yeah. you know, and then I think that is quite humbling as well, because I thought that's my specialty It's like, this mm-hmm. is what I'm good at. And it's like, mm-hmm. so is everyone else, sweetheart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. It's, it's really, um, it's so interesting to, to, and listen, this is one of the, one of the um, real privileges that I have is, is I, I, if I, if there's somebody I want to learn from, like a Sarah, I just got turned on to Sarah Fisher. I, I feel fantastic. Oh my God. I feel like I'm watching as I got, I also got to meet Andrew Hale virtually and Kim Brophy and I'm, I'm building a cache for my own podcast, um, affectionately <laughs> titled unpod yourself. <laughs> and uh, so I've interviewed them. And, and so Sarah's agreed to be, to have a talk with me uh, later on in the fall, but I, you know, I got introduced to her through Kim Brophy's Beyond the Operant, whatever, what I call the BTO posse and just these amazing things that she and Andrew and Kathy Murphy are talking about and, and um, things that I had a sense about that, um, that I didn't really know how to put into practice or I didn't have, you know, a, a scientific context for it or that kind of stuff. But it's, it's staggering to hear some of these ideas. And so when Sarah Fisher came on, and it was just like, I don't know. I, I just, I just fangirled right away. Well, no offense to fangirls. I fanboyed right away. And, um, I, and I was talking with Andrew Hale about it and he said, yeah, it's like watching the purest form. I don't know if he said the purest form of dog training, but those were the words, like the purest form. Like I was watching somebody who knew how, who knew how to observe. And I mean that in, in really in the most profound way. Hmm. and um and one it's of almost the almost spiritual when you listen yes. to sarah fisher yeah yes yeah that's my experience i'm like where have you been all my life <laughs> yeah yeah and like you know can i live in a hut on your farm yeah. i mean your dogs are pretty well trained so they'll probably know i'm there but but i'll, I'll give it a go <laughs> you know yeah so that you know that kind of presence so you know everybody will have their their gifts and their expertise and you know um there's something to share nothing gets wasted that's another thing i see about my journey and and people that that are now reaching out to me that um maybe there's something in it that they respond to that if if i'm if i stay open and i'm willing to be a service nothing i've done is wasted but you know if i like close camps and double down 
then, then I start to poison the very gifts for opportunity and, and learning that, that are available to me. Absolutely. I mean, when you were talking about growth, I think that's essential, not only as dog professionals, but as human beings. Like if we're not growing, if we're not learning, if we're not progressing, what's the point really? Uh And it's such a, a beautiful experience to kind of grow as a person. And it's hard sometimes. Uh (laughs) I do a lot of, um, a lot of thought, a lot of introspection and self-reflection, all of you know, that, and when I think about, you know, the choices maybe that I'm making, because even when I started as a professional, I kind of came out like all guns blazing. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, all or nothing. This is it. And even over that progression, I've softened. So my, my stance hasn't changed, but my Mm -hmm. perception and how I kind of react to people is softer. It's not mm-hmm. a kind of all or nothing mentality, which it absolutely was when I when I first started. Mm-hmm. And that's when I think about that, I just think, you know, there's been things that have happened along the way, obviously, to kind of facilitate that that happening. And some of them haven't been fantastic. But at the same time, I really like that progression. And it's mm-hmm. a really nice thing to experience. It seems, it just seems vital to your point, you know, as a person, it, it seems vital. And certainly, oh certainly from an industry standpoint, I think that the number I'd heard recently was that approximately 5% of dog owners in the U.S. reach out for training. And, and Trish McMillan pushed back on that a little bit. She said, probably, you know, with COVID, you know, maybe we're at 10 or 15%, which is, which would be a radical uptick and still really small. So I don't know, let's say we have, let's say that our industry, and I don't know that the numbers would be any higher in another country. That'd be interesting information to get, but let's say the industry has, has 10%, a 10% um, face-to-face input on what's happening in people's homes around the world. Obviously, social media platforms, television shows, you know, that, that's going to make a different impact. But if we're, if we're, infighting over 10% of the pie, I think we're missing an incredible opportunity. And to the extent that we can, as, as Dr. Chris Pockle says, how far back can we, can we pull, what did you say, the tent or the camera or the umbrella, how far back can we open it to see what we have in common with somebody else? And if we can get that far back, which is, we're talking about like you know, basic humanity principles here. If we can get that far back and see what we have in common with somebody else and, and then connect there, which is not easy, at least, you know, not for me necessarily, connect there, what could we do in support of, of each other in the industry? And it's, I think it's reasonable. I think this is a reasonable assumption that most everybody specific to the dog training industry, which, which would include veterinarians and you know everything that, that works around this hub, um, cares about dogs and wants to help them. I think that's a pretty reasonable assumption. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I certainly did. I, I had a ton of compassion and I had a lot of aggression. And so you see that in my, in my balanced training, you know? Um, so now I ditched the aggression, I doubled down on the compassion 
just planning to support that process and see what happens. But man, there's a lot of opportunity available right now. And I would say for where we're at socially and culturally across the globe, uh, practicing connection, I think is gonna speak to practicing inclusion, I think is gonna speak to people in, in, in a way that a lot of things won't. And the dogs, you know, they're such a mirror no offense to the dogs. I don't want to put that on the dogs. They are, they're, you know, a relationship with a dog is an incredible opportunity to grow as a human being. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the whole thing you were talking a little bit earlier about growing publicly and, and, uh, um, and so this is an amazing, amazing group of people. Um, people I'm just meeting, a lot of them I'm meeting for the first time, people whose work I've never seen before, people whose work I know very well and cultivating conditions for compassion that's really that's really what that's about uh lima beings and it's um i like to think about things in terms of spirit and structure what's the spirit of what we're trying to do mm. um you know Den denise finzi i was talking with her recently and, sh and she she posed a question for me to chew on where do you see the industry in the next five to ten years and i thought it was such an excellent question because it's actually one of my questions <laughs> <laughs> darn you <laughs> but you can answer it now that's fine <laughs> no 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 i'll just you just contact denise and we're, we're cool <laughs> i'll just oh yeah i'll just get her to kind of what i'll just edit it in could you yeah. just tell me what you think and i'll edit it in <laughs> so it's such an excellent question because it what it does is it elucidates the the, the principles by which we operate you know if five and ten years from now I want to see, I would like to see a more cohesive, coherent, um, com compassionate collective. Um, if, if that's the spirit, then there, would, then there would need to be a structure that supports that. And so I, I can't say that I want things to be better five or 10 years from now and then have a structure, spirit versus structure, a structure that doesn't support that. I mean, I can do it. I did it for years, but like, if we're really looking at, at growth and, and our potential impact, and if, if we have a spirit and we don't have a structure, then we got a bunch of loosey goosey, feel good stuff, but we're not generative. We're not, we're not offering stuff that, that can be um, demonstrable and repeatable and sustainable. And if we have structure and we don't have, and we've lost the spirit, then what we have is a lot of control. And typically control seems to be fear-based certainly in my own experience um yeah absolutely and, and i would have fear -based. to so clearly I, I think through nobody's consciously ill intent the the push for control over who can say what and how it can be said and those kinds of things um it comes at the expense of the spirit it chokes out the spirit of it so a dynamite question should I answer it now? Yeah. Uh, where would I like to see the industry in? I'll go with five years because it's so, things are moving lightning fast. Um, and I, I go back to a conversation I was having with Andrew Hale and he said, you know, the zeitgeist is still, it's still dominance down. But the conversations that are being had that used to be had in quiet places by individuals who were ridiculed or dismissed or or made to feel shame, the conversations about something beyond conventional dog training as we know it are, are being had and they're being had by collectives of people. And I'm on that bus. And, 
And so where, where, I, where I would like to see the industry or, or what I want to be a part of or how I want to contribute is to the new zeitgeist, which is um, compassion top down and, uh, and bottom up. And that's going to take a lot of practice as it has for me and continues to. It's going to take a lot of practice for the humans on a human to human level because the dogs clearly respond to it and the science overwhelmingly indicates that they respond to it. That's where I'd like to see the industry five years out that we, that we are actually seeing the new zeitgeist demonstrated and repeated and sustained. And uh, I, I don't need to be like, I don't need to be the one on anything, but I sure do, I sure do appreciate being, being here at a time where I can be a part of the conversation and help support it. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think it's a it's a difficult one because I think something that I'm coming to terms with is, you know, I was kind of not sold, I don't want to use that term, but um pushed into thinking there was, you know, community and you're kind of in or you're out, and that's the exclusive. And being what I thought was in um has brought just a lot of a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety and you know I just at the end of the day like I just love dogs and I want to do the right thing for dogs and I by no means think that I'm on the side that's harming dogs in any sort of way if anything so far on the opposite side and then to come away some days feeling not upset with the work that I'm doing but of perception or um critiques and things like that it's just mm -hmm. such a weird it's a weird situation to be in mm -hmm. yeah I, I can imagine it it's um, an existential question in some ways with really um with very real emotional impact i think if we we talked a little bit before we started recording about the um about the movement of things and how things are approached. And I, I think if the question is posed, uh, let's say to, you know, I will count myself as somebody who, who seeks to work within positive reinforcement and by the name of principles and, and I'm still growing. Um, if the point is to reach others in the interest of changing minds or, or helping them grow I, I, like I, I want to navigate it carefully because I, I don't want to I don't find it useful for me to look down on anybody I'm certainly not in a position to judge but if the point is that there's a way of helping these animals that's clearly demonstrated that would categorically be better for pretty much everybody but the way I go about it is through spite and attack and cancel culture then I I'm actually not going to get my mission yeah that's that's really the thing and 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 it's not heretical to say that i mean i can say that because i've i'm i'm growing publicly you know but some of my colleagues will confine to me you know privately I, I can't really say that stuff because i'm going to be considered quote one of them you know um so what i put to more and more people that i get a chance to talk to is is it clearly if, if we look at what's out there 
uh, it seems to have had little to no effect in terms of the global impact because we can see what continues to be produced and put out there, right? Hmm. So if, it's, if we just look at the results, and I may be wrong about that, but if we just look at the results, it, um, are we, I'll put myself in the world, are we having the desired impact? And if the answer is no, then there's gotta be a different way to go about it. I don't know what it is necessarily, but I certainly know that, that money talks, right? I mean, that was the old thing about, about um, Howard Stern that when his ratings were at his highest and they polled people, 50% of the people listened because they loved him and 50% listened because they hated him. You know, we saw that with, with uh, what happened politically over the last several years. People couldn't stand so-and-so and then they couldn't get enough of so-and-so, but you bet they were tuned in. And nobody at a network said, boy, half the people hate what we report, but they show up every day. We should really think about what we're doing. <laughs> you yeah. know? I think that's often why, I mean, I try not to put any traffic towards anything that I just fundamentally disagree with, either as a professional mm -hmm. or in my mm -hmm. personal level. And then when people, and I try to get that out to people when they're sending me things, I'm like, you shouldn't send this to me mm -hmm. because you're sending something specifically from, you know, this, that traffic is being funneled towards, you know, me, that that person is getting, even if you traffic. comment, a negative yep. comment is still, it's kind of like, you know, when we think about dogs and like, if you don't like a behavior, mm -hmm. but you're reinforcing it somehow, right. you know, even if you don't think it, even if it's a negative, and that's right. essentially what you do with those kind of uh, what was it? Ding dong, TikTok trainers. Yeah, TikTok ding dongs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like yeah. We're, we're paying attention, even if we think it's, you know, the, the comment that, and it never ends well. So no. even that kind of stuff, I just, I block it now. And yeah. it's getting people to also understand that, that, you know, you're fighting, you're fighting the good fight, quote unquote, but it's yeah. not having the effect that you think it's having. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, I, and yeah, the answer to that is yes. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't change because of how people disagreed with me. I, I changed because somebody said, yeah, thanks for reaching out. How can I help you? That was it. And that's it. That is one of my questions as well Is I was, so I listened to the, uh, the by the end of the dog with Mike, Chicago, yeah. your episode and that was the one thing that I kind of thought is, you know, you kind of said, which you, you said before about you have this dog and you reached out and it was Mike and, and other people. And I, you know, I think that when that happened, that was kind of a, a brave thing to do because I think in this industry, a lot of people, they can have a lot of pride. And I know that I have certain people that I turn to, but again, it's on a much larger scale. So for you to seek out, to have someone to kind of connect to and say, you know, hold my hands up. Like, I don't know what to do in this situation or I need some counsel. Uh -huh. I, that is part of the reason which kind of interested me about you because uh -huh. not a lot of people would do that, <laughs> you know, in the drug yeah. industry, in, in your position, in most positions, people have too much pride. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I appreciate the, the feedback on that. And I, I, I really want to help, you know, that's at the core. I mean, I, I, I made a mess of things in my life and I've done a lot of cleaning up, you know, along the way for far, far back. I, I just really want to help 
want to help. And there's few things as, as profound, magical as seeing, as seeing somebody see themselves for who they really are, as seeing a dog have, have agency with a good setup where, where that dog's consideration came first. And, and you see it's so, I mean, if I could see the light go on in a dog's eyes, you know, like being there for those moments where that dog does that thing and it's, and, it, and then it kind of hops back almost like a play bounce. And you're like, oh, you did it. You know, like those kinds of things are, they're not to be missed. And so I, I, I think it was brave of Mike uh, and it was brave of a lot of people and it's brave of yourself because, um, you know, people are going to have their positions. Um, I, you know, if I don't stay teachable, uh, I die. And I mean that literally, you know, I'm 13 and a half years clean and sober. And, and if, if I think that what is good for me, that I know what is good for me, and that's the end all, uh, I'm going to end up back in jail or dead. So, so this is deeply ingrained for me. You better keep learning or, or you're going to start doing things based on the need for relief. And Matt, when you make decisions based on the need for relief, they're not good ones. Yeah. And I think what people sometimes, you know, don't understand as well is sometimes those decisions, they, they're the easier decisions to just yeah. go with the flow. Whereas yes. make a conscious decision to be like, no, that's not the choice I'm going to make. And yeah. then to perpetuate that choice is a very difficult position to be in. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to unpractice that behavior. That's for sure. Because it does bring, it bring there is some relief, you know, I mean, there's certainly some relief to be had, um, but it's really finite in that way. So, yeah, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate, appreciate the reflection. And uh, I just, I'm so fortunate. I'm just really, really fortunate. And, uh, and I'm excited about season two and seeing what comes out. And, and um, you know, again, I was watching myself grow and, and uh, it'd be pretty neat to see. I think it'll be neat to see how it's received. <laughs> I'm actually, so I haven't watched season one. I watch, I've seen, I told you before, like I've seen some bits and pieces. I'm really hard though, because I, I don't really watch, I don't really watch a lot of dog training. Yeah. I get very, um, <laughs> my level is very low. Um, yeah. And even when I used to watch other kind of when I was younger, I would watch like certain dog shows and I never really, you know, the parts that there was the training, I would turn it off because I didn't mm -hmm. like seeing that, but I love the story. I love knowing yeah. about the dogs, but I will watch season two. I will oh, appreciate that. Yeah. appreciate that. There are some really just amazing dogs. And, and we, we had this, uh, you know, we were in COVID it, it's, it is a real time capsule. I wasn't allowed in anybody's house. I mean, it, it, it put the question to me. It kind of goes back to what you said earlier, Renee, about, you know, having to learn virtual work on the fly. What, a, what an exceptional skill to have at this point. And um, being back in people's homes now, it just feels so rich. My skills of uh, my powers of observation are so much more honed. But um, season two, I, the, the producers have been just so, so great to work with. And I said that there's things I want to look at things differently. I want to do things differently. We talk about the casting together and just these incredible incredible people who are challenged these amazing dogs that need support and um just what a gift to to be a part of it absolutely 
And I want to thank you for coming on the the podcast and spending your time with me because it's been a, an excellent conversation and yeah. one that I think, you know, I'm hoping that a lot of people hear and it resonates with them because all hope is not lost. <laughs> no, no, for sure. Yeah, I sure appreciate connecting with you. And I love your posts, by the way. They're just so uh, right down to the graphics. They're so great. They're so thoughtful. They're so well done. And um, it's just neat for me to sit down with you and even if I'm doing an hour-long introduction of Matt Beisner. <laughs> That's okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, so do you want to just tell people where they can find you? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, I live at 440, no. Um, <laughs> I am, uh, uh, you can find me on Instagram, Matt underscore Beisner, B-E-I-S-N-E-R. You can find me on Twitter, Matt underscore Beisner. You can find me on Facebook, Matthew Beisner. You can find my YouTube channel is Matt Beisner hyphen TZD, which is short for the Zen dog. And, um, and I'm active. I really like connecting with people and learning. So, and gosh, this platform, I got so many cool things that I, I get to explore and be a part of and find ways to be a service. And then you can see coming up in this July, uh, Dog Impossible season two on Nat Geo Wild. And I believe soon after Nat Geo Wild airs it, it will go to Disney Plus, but that's to be determined. Awesome. Thank you so much again yeah. for joining me. Yeah, and, thank um, you. Thanks, Renee.